First Thessalonians chapter three, please. First Thessalonians chapter three. Uh, once again, we uh, are going to continue with our series, ready for his return. And uh, I trust that uh, it's been a blessing to you, as it is to me, preparing it. See, somebody said, and I agree with him, the joy uh, is really not much in the preaching, but actually in the studying of God's Word. And uh, I'm certainly uh, experiencing that and finding it, that this is a a very passionate letter of the Apostle Paul, uh, a very personal letter. Uh, Here we can see his emotions uh, in display, and we've always, well, at least I do, I've always looked at uh, the Apostle Paul as someone who is really uh, uh, hard, um, uh, really uh, sold out for the Lord, and, uh, and because of that, he, uh, he, he doesn't flinch. Um, he's uh, just a straight uh, man and, and shooter, as we call him today, uh, as we call people today. But here in Thessalonians, we see uh, that there is the soft side of the Apostle Paul. And... Uh, uh, do you remember a time, beloved, when um, <clears throat> you um, perhaps you just miss someone, uh, someone that you love, someone that you care, uh, and you just want to be with them? Um, and and uh, the trouble is, uh, you just can't. Um, you know that they have a need. And you yourself, uh, you want to be just there with them, to be an encouragement to them. Uh, perhaps just to be um, by their side. But you can't. Uh, either you don't have the means, you don't have the time, uh, there's other demands of you, uh, or it's just too complex. Um, to, to be with those people that you love and indeed you care for. It may well be your family. It may well be your friends, loved ones. Um, I look around this room, there's uh, plenty of us who are migrants into this country and this is a regular occurrence for us. Uh, we miss our folks. Uh, I'm there right now. I'm, I, I'm, a part of me wants to be in Tennessee right now to be with my brother-in-law who has a wife that's got a stage four cancer. And I just want to be there for him. <coughs> Give him a hug and tell him he's going to be okay. God is all over it. I'm there right now for my father-in-law and for the loved ones in the family that... Um, I haven't seen, even before COVID, when the borders were closed. I think once or twice I've mentioned uh, before this pulpit, uh, there's a feeling in me that um, I'm here in a foreign country ministering to you folks, and I I don't begrudge you for that. I love you. I hope you know that. Uh, But there's a part of me that's still back there because I know that... um, Some of our families are are not walking with the Lord. And I want to encourage them. I want to challenge them. I want to comfort them. To tell them that this is not how the family started. And it shouldn't finish this way. So there are times that uh, I'm sure you want to be with your folks. You want to be with those that you love. Uh, just to be a comfort and just to see and know of their affairs, apart from anything else. Well, that's how Paul felt uh, in the, for the believers here at Salonica. And so here in First Thessalonians chapter 3, if you would uh, stand again with me, I promised the last time that you would do it. First Thessalonians chapter 3, uh, we're just going to pick up the narrative here uh, again. Uh, uh, in the original manuscript, of course, and in the letter, there's really no chapter, but uh, here we are, chapter 3 in verse 1. <clears throat> um, uh, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, uh, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone. 
and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and you know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to, knew, to, know, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. Let's pray together. Father, thank you once again for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we can open it in freedom still in this country. Uh, and Lord, I pray that uh, your will and way will be accomplished in us. Once again, dear God, I pray that you'd speak to us. Uh, Lord, we know you're in the midst. And Father, we would yield to you and the promptings of the Holy Spirit right now. I pray, as, as Joshua has mentioned already, if there's one in this room right now that do not possess the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, may today be the day of their salvation. And for us, yet again, Father, we have uh, so much that perhaps we're pondering at this time. Perhaps uh, the storms of life and the trials and afflictions that we're facing. Perhaps not even us personally, but others that we know of. Uh, help us to be encouraged in the word today. And help us, Father, to just uh, uh, put those aside. Uh, not to forget them, but rather just focus our attention on you uh, at this time. We do ask. Uh, all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In chapters 1 and 2, <clears throat> we find Paul ministering to the believers in Salonika uh, in person. He was actually there. He, he, he helped to establish this church. Uh, it, it didn't uh, take him uh, that long to stay there, though, because of uh, uh, the, uh, the enemies of the gospel and indeed the man that preaches the gospel. And so uh, he was there in person in, in chapters 1 and 2. Uh, but towards the end of chapter 2 and onwards, uh, we find that Paul was in absentia. He wasn't there anymore. You remember his, uh, his enemies stirred up uh, an uproar uh, in the city uh, and uh, against him, and he was forced to leave the city. Now, I believe he's not really thinking of, of, of himself and his personal safety. The Apostle Paul had been through situations like this before, and this didn't really, in my belief, uh, it didn't really face him, uh, but he, uh, he agreed to, to leave the city uh, because he was concerned about the church uh, and the tension that's uh, in there, uh, and the, the lewd fellows, remember, uh, those are our market men uh, hired uh, to, to do and, and, and uh, stir up trouble, pretty much the same as what we have in professional uh, uh, protesters. Uh, whatever the issue is, somehow they're able to gather uh, and, and put some banners out there. Uh, whether the, the people are contending with the voice or people were contending about the vaccine, uh, we have this group of people that just turns up and stir up trouble for the city. And that's what we have here. Uh, people uh, were hired to give Paul trouble and indeed the church. And so Paul uh, didn't really didn't want to aggravate the, the tense situation any further uh, for or to the detriment of the church. So, yes, he left. You know, sometimes we are put into situations that we have to be afar to be near. So that life goes on for those whom we love. Somehow we need to, because of the complexity of the situation, family issues, we just have to make that conscious and sacrificial decision to be afar so that life goes on for those people that we love and spare them the trauma. And I believe this is where Paul was. But it doesn't make it any easier, beloved, when we make those decisions. Here we can find a glimpse of Paul's heart, a pastor's heart even, if I could say that. 
Can I tell you that anyone who serves in the role of a pastor, and I'm, putting, I'm not putting myself uh, up here, Anyone that's uh, a pastor, an elder, an overseer, or everyone uh, who serves in some spiritual leadership uh, goes through this sentiment, goes through this time in his ministry, goes through this feeling at one time or another. So far in the letter we learn how Paul felt about the Salonicans, about how Paul felt about the believers there. In chapter 1, we found that he was thankful. Uh, He was thankful for their work of faith, their labor of love, and their steadfast hope uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ, and obviously referring to his coming. Uh, In chapter 2, he was thankful for their response, and indeed their reception, and of the word of God as being the word of God. I say again, people uh, listen to the word of God, but they dismiss it. They discount it. Uh, They find loopholes in it. And they say it's not uh, entirely correct. But they listen. They They receive the word of God. Not the Salonicans. They received it as the word of God and in truth, the Bible says. He saw the Salonicans and testified of them being his eternal reward and crown of rejoicing, his glory and indeed his joy. That's feelings there that Paul has revealed in this letter. And because of how he felt about the Thessalonians, and because of uh, how he experienced this intense uh, love and care for this church, a baby church, mind you, three Sabbath uh, uh, days that uh, he, he was there. And because of that, he said, uh, wherefore, here in verse uh, chapter 3, when we could no longer forbear. Let's just stop there for a moment. The word forbear here is stego. And he has the idea of enduring patiently. Uh, and so Paul can no longer stand the separation, beloved. Uh, the forced separation he had to contend with. He can't handle them being in Salonika and him being in another place in Athens. He can no longer forbear. That's the word that he's used here. Uh, and wondering and not knowing how the church as a whole was going. Uh, understand also, beloved, that Paul uh, being in Athens is uh, a challenge in itself. A challenge in itself. You see, af- after the, the, the uproar in Thessalonica, uh, Paul, Silas, uh, and Timothy uh, went to Berea. Uh, and in Berea, they did what they've always done. They've ministered to the people there in Berea. They preached the gospel. Indeed, Paul preached the gospel. And guess what? Those were, uh, enemies, those uh, lewd fellows in Thessalonica, followed Paul in Berea. Uh, and uh, when they found out that he's preaching the gospel there in Berea, they followed him and stared troubled for him all the more. Unbelievable. They must really hate this man and his message. And if you are going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you are going to make a stand for Christ, especially in these last days, mark my word, people, people will get you. Some of you are experiencing that now in your workplaces. Some of you are already experiencing that now in your neighborhood. Oh, beloved, the hatred for the man and indeed his message. And so Paul, yet again, was taken out of the city, this time to Athens. And when he reached Athens, he sent for Timothy and Silas to join him. And so for a time, he was alone by himself at Athens. A place the Bible describes as Wholly given to idolatry. I don't know if you've experienced this, but when you're by yourself and you don't have the company and the fellowship of the saints, which drove 
which, where you can draw strength from. And you are in a place that is wholly given to idolatry. And I somehow felt this, a, a place where there's just idols everywhere. And you look and turn around everywhere. There's just wickedness. Man, that is a tough place to be. And that's where Paul was. He was there in Athens uh, by himself. Uh, it was there in Athens that he took the Epicureans, the Stoics, the philosophers, uh, with no co-laborer by his side. At Athens, he was accused as a babbler. A babbler is an idle talker. A one who is a setter, King James used that word, a setter, that means a proclaimer and a preacher of strange gods. That's what they're accusing him of. Uh, because obviously they have their own set of gods. And so when Paul was presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ, these people said that it is a message preaching about a strange god. You know, whilst that's the case, uh, again, I believe Paul can take it. He's, he's been there and done that. Uh, this is not something new that uh, he had to face with. Uh, but uh, uh, when you are contending for the faith alone, again, it doesn't make it easy. All the afflictions of Paul uh, and indeed of, of pastors in the care of the churches, no wonder. With all the things that Paul enumerated that he experienced physically, it was the care of the churches that got him the most. Because that's mental, beloved. That's Emotional even. And it's wearisome. Uh, when, when the challenge is physical sickness or hunger or, or thirst, uh, that's challenging indeed. But when it's mental, it plays with your head, it plays with your heart. And the Satan, Satan captures you if you're not careful. How many men and women uh, who have been in ministry because of the issue that they have to face about here and here are no longer in ministry today. Plenty. Plenty. And so here, in this place, he was alone. It was also here where he preached at Mars Hill his sermon to the unknown God. He took them on. By himself. Now Acts chapter 17 and verse 18 uh, gives the account, and you can study that uh, narrative in your own time. And so both Silas and Timotheus were not yet with Paul at this time. They left Salonica, uh, but were still uh, in Berea ministering and on the way to him. And so he really was alone in this huge ministry challenge uh, at uh, Athens. Um, and so Timothy and Silas eventually made it uh, to meet with Paul at Athens. But as we just read, uh, even though Paul really needed a companion at this time, very much so, uh, a companion in ministry, a co-laborer in the ministry, an encourager perhaps, uh, he sent Timothy back to Thessalonica. And Silas on other references to Macedonia. He was alone, right? He needed company. He needed some encouragement. He needed someone to just say to him, Hey, brother, it'll be all right. Just press on. Keep on keeping on. You know, when you hear those words, uh, man, it makes your day. God's got you. You're not alone in this one. He needed that, but when Timothy and Silas uh, were able to, to follow him at Athens, he sent them away. Again, a selfless act of someone who really cares. You know, sometimes if you really love the flock, you wouldn't be thinking about yourself. You'd be thinking about the flock. Because at the end of the day, that's really what matters. And so here Paul did that. He sent Timothy and Silas away. And uh, um, in fact, the next time that he would see uh, Timothy and Silas after this would be at Corinth. 
where they all finally met again and, and where he wrote this letter to the Thessalonians. And so despite of what he was dealing with at that time, alone at Athens, and not just that, his message of the gospel, uh, it, it, it wasn't really received as such. Uh, we already found out about what happened to Thessalonica, and then he went to Berea preaching the same gospel, and again there was uproar there. He went to Athens, uh, and these are, this is a place wholly given to idolatry. So Paul, uh, in our lingo today, wasn't really winning. Uh, all he's getting at the moment is rejection after rejection. Uh, and uh, in fact, uh, when, uh, he, uh, when, uh, when the First Corinthians uh, tell us in 123 uh, that he was weary, uh, he was in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. This is the Apostle Paul, the giant of our faith. The greatest missionary that ever lived apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. But the description that he wrote in Corinth that he was weary. He was in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Beloved, can I say to you, ministry can really be wearisome. And one can only continue only by the grace and the enablement It's not something that you just do. It can bring a toil into yourself. And so from Athens, he went to Corinth, and we know what Corinth is like. Okay. It's not necessarily a, an easy church to be with and pastor. Uh, so uh, his experience with Thessalonica in Berea, in Athens, and all of that, contributed to all Paul being weary and in fear. Now, however, that being the case, Paul can no longer keep silent about the Thessalonians. Uh, uh, while he was far from them, they were never really far from his mind. You see, uh, he wanted to know of their affairs. Uh, and so he did the next best thing. He did what he could. Uh, and let us consider them and make some personal applications uh, on the same. First, since he cannot go back uh, into the city himself, for if he, uh, if he did, uh, it will probably cost Jason and his life. Uh, it will probably cost uh, the others that have supported Paul uh, their lives or at the very least their possessions. Remember, they put themselves as a bond, as a surety for Paul so that they won't arrest him and they release Paul, Silas, and Timothy. That's the only way that they got out of that city. Okay. Uh, and so uh, because he cannot go back there, he did the next best thing. And, uh, and here uh, we find uh, that he sent who? Timotheus, his own son in the faith, one that he would rather keep next to him. Notice how he described him, his spiritual credentials, if you like, and so why he chose uh, Tim. Uh, Timothy, a brother in the Lord, Paul wrote, a minister of God, a fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. Timothy, beloved, had a good reputation. He was a genuine believer, not just a babbler who just talks and not really do anything for Christ. No, he was a genuine brother in Christ. He was a minister of God. That means uh, he was called off by God and is willingly and devotedly serving God and indeed his people. That's important. Um, uh, he, uh, uh, he wasn't lazy. He was a co-laborer in the gospel, uh, devoted to the cause and the work of Christ. Indeed, the, in the great commission, the preaching and the discipling after the preaching of the, the gospel of men, women, young and old. That's his rap. Uh, that's his testimony. And my dear Calvary Baptist Church, would we be like a Timothy? 
The church needs men and indeed women for that matter that would be having this reputation and action. Men that just not talk but actually do. Not just take but give. Not just sit but serve. Not so discord and discouragement but rather edify and encourage men that would commit men that would be faithful men that would surrender and take up their cross and follow the Savior Christ oh how we need men and indeed women in the churches today would you be one would you be one. I pray so. Indeed I pray so. So we now know who Paul sent. Secondly for what? What was the purpose in sending Timothy back? What was he trying to accomplish? Now understand beloved that Paul's affection and longing for the Salonicans is not just an emotional desire for fellowship and socials. It is that. Uh, I'm sure uh, when we get together with the people that we love and know that we haven't seen for a while, there's that aspect of fellowship, right? There's that aspect of social. Uh, you get to eat elsewhere. But can I say to you that Paul's longing for the people of Thessalonica is over and above the social aspect. Uh, what was the issue uh, was there an issue? Well, just, we'll just go ahead a little bit here in verse 3. That no man should be moved by these afflictions. You see, the church was under persecution. Uh, um, and they, uh, being a, a newly established church, Paul knew that, um, uh, most likely it, it would have started in Jason's house because that's where uh, the, the enemies of Paul came. Uh, he knew that they really didn't have established uh, and mature leadership at this time. Uh, and so for any pastor, and a well-meaning, not a hireling uh, man of God, when you know that there is a work that just started, the, the believers there are baby Christians. Uh, and they can easily be swayed. They can easily be discouraged. Uh, you and I, regardless of what age we were uh, born again, we were really a babe in Christ. Uh, at the point of our salvation, we didn't know nothing apart from perhaps John 3.16. Uh, and in my case, uh, I'm thankful to God and I, I'm longing to see them in glory for uh, Ma and Carol Panganiban. Uh, they were my teachers. They took me aside. Uh, after school, we would go to their place, uh, and uh, Ate Carol will call her, uh, and she would make some little uh, nibbles, even in their uh, financial situation. She managed uh, a group of us, uh, men and young men and young ladies. Uh, we would uh, study the Bible. We'd eat it up. I got told how to live the new life. I was told that, you know, what you did before, you shouldn't do it anymore because you are a new man in Christ. Somebody discipled me. And so that's Paul's desire. Uh, that his affection on them is not just social. Uh, he wanted... Uh, for them to be guided uh, through the afflictions and the persecutions that they were under. And so Paul sent back Timothy, still in verse 2 there, to establish and comfort them concerning their faith. Did you see that? Now what does this mean to a young church and, and, and for us at such a time as this? The word establish here is esteheriso, uh, and it has the idea of turning resolutely in a certain direction to confirm, to fix, to steadfastly set, to strengthen. That's the idea. Uh, 
Paul desired that their faith in God be strengthened, be firmed up, be established. Notice that he didn't wish them to be in good health, although I'm sure Paul would wish that upon them. Uh, notice uh, that uh, uh, he didn't wish for them to be comfortable, uh, to be at ease or, or, or free of persecution and affliction. Again, uh, no pastor or which pastor would not like that of their flock. But notice Paul's priority. He wanted them and their faith to be established. Established. And it goes without saying, beloved, that when the flock is strengthened and indeed edified, equipped in the Lord and His Word, it follows that they will be comforted. They will be encouraged and not get tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine that is out there. And believe me, there is plenty of error out there. And be careful as to who you talk to in here as well. Not every man that's got an opinion tells you biblical truth. Be careful as to who and what you listen to out there and indeed in here. I'm performing my role as a watchman. Oh, I'm aware of things. And I'll deal, it one of, deal with it one of these days. Church, Calvary Baptist Church, God the Lord has done wonderful and great things for us in the last 50 years. Let us not drop the ball now and listen to some false doctrine. Not now. We are in these last days. And so please, I plead with you, if it's not here, even though it sounds good, it's not true. And if you're not sure, Brother Branco is here. My assistant Joshua is here. I am here. There's many men here that's been proven and tested who knows the truth. Go to them and ask them. Verify what you've heard. Is this true, brother? And if they don't know, if I don't know, then we'll find the answer in the Word of God. But don't just believe what people tell you just because they have a mouth. And they like to open their mouth. Please. And so, there are many false teachings out there. And not everyone, like I said, teaches biblical truth. Beloved, if your faith in the Lord is strong, you will have a strong foundation to live your life. And yes, even during times of afflictions and indeed persecutions, what you and I believe about the Lord and indeed His Word will be our foundations. Strong foundations in living life and how we live life. Uh, the more we know of the Lord, Lord, the more we know of his word, the more we will trust him. And as we face our trials and as we face our afflictions, uh, the more that we will experience him and prove him and his promises in the word that is the word of God and indeed is the truth. And by the way, trials and affliction will always come uninvited. And so this is not exclusive to the believers at Salonika. Uh, Paul uh, did this over and over again personally, but in this case, obviously, because he cannot go back to Thessalonica, uh, he sent Timothy instead of himself to do it. Now turn with me to Acts chapter 14, verse 21. Some few verses we're going to look at here. Acts chapter 14, uh, here in verse 21. The Acts of the Apostles is titled, but uh, sometimes I'd like to call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Acts 14, here in verse 21. Um, <clears throat> and when they had preached the gospel to that city, okay, and had taught many, discipled many, is the idea there, what did they do? They returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch. For what? What purpose? 
confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. And so now turn to chapter 15, this time in verse 32. Uh, and Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed uh, them. Go down to verse 41. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. And then Paul said, uh, did the same thing in uh, Galatia uh, and Phrygia, uh, Acts chapter 18 now, verse uh, 23, please. Acts chapter 18 uh, in verse 23. Uh, bear with me, just follow along. 18 verse 23. And after he had spent some time there, he departed and went over all the country of Galatia and Phrygia in order, what? Strengthening all the disciples. Now bear with me one more. Romans chapter uh, 1 uh, here in verse 11. Romans chapter 1 verse 11. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that ye may be established. Established. And so Paul, over and over again, that's why I keep on saying the Great Commission is not just preaching the gospel. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. There's a second component to that, beloved, teaching them to observe all things. That's where the discipleship aspect of the ministry comes in. It's not enough that we will share them the gospel. We need to plug them in in the church that would love and care for them uh, with fellowship with them that they can be taught how it is to live the Christian life. And so next year you'll hear me say it over and over again. That's what we're going to do in this uh, end of days. Uh, we will disciple more and more people as we get them in. We don't just lose them uh, we will teach them God's ways. Paul did that. It is important that you and I will have an accurate understanding of the Lord and indeed His Word. That we understand the truth. And because we understand the truth, you and I can go on living based on the truth. Based on the truth. Uh, uh, and not just by emotions or, or, or persuasions or even experience uh, because our experiences are not the same okay based on the truth again i say don't just listen to those people who had an experience you got to listen to the holy spirit which brother branko mind you has given a wonderful lesson this morning if you're not in sunday school you better be in it and he's talking about the Holy Spirit and the infilling of it and how different we are because of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely true. And so be careful. Experiences are great, but they're not Bible. Not always Bible. And so as the Thessalonians face their afflictions and indeed their persecutions, and we do as well, uh, because our faith is established and because our faith is strengthened in the Lord, uh, we can have a proper understanding of the Word of God uh, and, and confidence in the Word of God that whether we are faced or we are confronted, confronted with error, uh, and or uh, whether we are confronted with afflictions and the sufferings of our time, we can be found trusting in the Lord and indeed in His Word because we understand it. God's people need good and godly counsel. God's people need good and godly ministers to establish and strengthen them in their faith. Regardless of how you personally feel about a minister of God, you may not like how he parts his hair. You may not like uh, the choices in his ties. You may not like uh, how uh, they do uh, things. Uh, they, uh, they present themselves. Uh, you may not like what they do or don't do for that matter. The most urgent need of the churches uh, in these times and indeed in these last days where error is rife and false teaching uh, is abounding is for faithful preachers to be faithful in the preaching of God's 
Word. The unadulterated preaching of God's Word. One of the main reasons why most churches, and indeed the Christians in it, are so weak in the faith is because of the lack of proper leadership and in the lack of regard for the inspired Word of God. And so you now have so-called churches that are filled with weak Christians. Oh, beloved, the right preachers, uh, not the hirelings, okay, uh, are the product, firstly, of God's call. That is important. And no man should stand behind this sacred pulpit if he doesn't have the genuine call of God in his life. Because the call of God is what will make him stand for the truth. The call of God is what will make him strong in times of afflictions. It's the call of God that would inspire him to preach the word of God and nothing more. But if he's a hireling, he will please the audience. He will say things that are palatable and acceptable to the listeners. Oh, beloved, Paul wasn't so concerned about his critics and indeed his enemies, as I said before, they will always be there and they will find you. Your enemies will find you. They follow Paul from Thessalonica to Berea, didn't they? And if you leave, uh, read the life of Paul, everywhere he got, went, there was always an enemy, really not of Paul, but enemy of God. They'll find you. You don't have to look for your enemies. Wherever you hide, they'll find you. And they will always say things about you. They will always get a gripe about you. And so Paul wasn't concerned about that. Uh, uh, and, and his critics are just there. And I say to you, uh, as, a, as, as your pastor, I am more concerned about the establishing and the strengthening of your faith. Uh, and, and why is that? And why is Paul so adamant as about to this point in sending Timothy back to Thessalonica? Uh, well, we now know who he sent. He sent Timothy. We now know what purpose he sent him. And thirdly, let us see why. Why he sent Timothy. In verse 3, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For ye yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. The word afflictions here primarily means oppressing, pressure, anything which burdens the spirit. It is also translated persecution in Acts 11.19, translates the tribulation in Acts 14.22, uh, translated trouble in 7.28, uh, burden in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 13. This word means trouble or troubles that come from spiritual warfare, troubles that come because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Like it or not, we as believers are appointed to afflictions and tribulations. It is a clear teaching to and from God's Word. You see, we tend to be surprised during our times of affliction. And please, I'm not belittling it. I'm not making it light. Afflictions and sufferings, uh, they're hard to bear. Uh, but we should not be surprised. Let me remind you again of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Yea, and all that we live godly in Christ Jesus shall. Shall. Can you see the certainty of that? Shall suffer tribulation or suffer persecution. God has promised it. It is a necessary part of the Christian life, especially in this present world. Take it from the psalmist, and we had this as one of our Wednesdays in the Word, remember? Uh, <clears throat> it is good for me that I have been afflicted. Why? That I might learn thy statutes. To be afflicted, beloved, is a precious time in you as a because it, was, it is on those times that you would learn His statutes. When life is easy, when things are cruising along, when there is money in the bank, when you are in good health, when relationships are well, you don't look at God. You're cruising along. But when there are afflictions in your life, that's the time you realize, I need God. 
And those are the times that you will look into His Word even more. And as you do, you will learn of His statutes. Oh, how right is the psalmist when he said that. And so Paul wanted them to understand the truth that following from the Lord, following the Lord and His Word, it, it is that that is what He tasked Timothy to do. That they, oh, indeed, we as believers, are appointed unto afflictions. In verse four, Paul wrote, "We told you about this." I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, we told you about this, and when we were there with you, and now that you are in the midst of it. Uh, Paul said it has happened, and it is happening, Thessalonians, and will continue to happen. And so that's what he said in verse 5 as we close. You see, beloved, Satan operates on afflicting you and me. Now, of course, he can only do uh, what God allows him to do. Okay? So he cannot go over and above what God has permitted him to do. But you see, from God's side, afflictions and tribulations are really his measures of grace for growth. Did you hear me? Afflictions are God's grace for growth. Hard to accept, hard to leave. But when you go through some afflictions, that's God's way of showing His grace to you, to grow you, to refine you in your faith. Remember 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. Why? Why? That it might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And can I say to you, when you are being refined, the heat is on. But understand this, beloved. When you are being refined, the refiner is never far from the fire. Imagine it. And he will take you. And he will soak you into that heat and take it out, pound it on that anvil, shape it and mold it, cool it for a bit, give you relief. And then what does he do? Puts you back into the fire for more pounding. But when he's finished, oh, when he's done, how beautiful you will be in his sight. Never despise the remaining fire of the Lord. Never complain as hard as it is about the refiner's fire. I tell you, beloved, many times we Christians, we do not like the trials of our faith. But you see, if your faith is weak, if your faith is nominal, if your faith is hypocritical, it does not and will not stand the test. It will be the kind of faith sown on stony ground. It had no strong root. Uh, when, uh, it has no strong foundation. Uh, and when the heat of the sun and when that affliction uh, and, and that sufferings uh, come in contact with it, like that of that seed sown in, uh, in stony ground, when persecutions come, that kind of faith, the Bible says, immediately become offended. Meaning, stumbled stumbled that is why it's very important beloved in our witnessing efforts hear me please in our witnessing efforts uh, we do not make a mistake of saying or making the unbeliever think that the christian life is a life of ease the life of prosperity and a life of goodness in life churches today preach that not here uh, you see, many times in our zeal to win a soul for Christ, we sugarcoat the gospel. We make it palatable. We no longer want to call sin, sin anymore. We minimize or perhaps uh, fail to explain the word repent and repentance and, 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 and belief and how it, it all fits in the gospel narrative. Uh, we tell them about heaven but fail to mention about hell. 
Uh, and if, uh, if we don't mention hell, uh, you just made them uh, another candidate to go there. Uh, I tell you, especially in these last days, where men are lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, uh, when men no longer endure, let alone listen to sound doctrine, uh, these days where and when God is mentioned, you have to define the God of the Bible because there are so many gods now that the children know. Okay, uh, and so if you preach and teach that kind of cheap gospel, and if we tell people that the Christian life is a trouble-free life, I tell you, when they do come into trouble, and, and they will, uh, uh, not an if, but when, and when we tell them to believe in Jesus, and He will make things all beautiful without explaining to them what really and what it clearly means to be saved, when they come face to face with the ugliness of life, when they will see and experience the troubles of this life, they'll call you Jesus as a fraud. And they will call you as a trickster because we trick them. We deceive them in believing that the Christian life is a life of ease. We gave them false hopes. We gave them false expectations of who Christ really is and what it means to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, especially in these last days. Consequently, they will question not just who Jesus is, but whether he really is the answer for all of life's troubles. Don't cheapen the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't cheapen the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Tell it as it is. Tell them that it's free to them, but it's not free to the Son of God. Tell them, yes, it's easy to believe in Jesus Christ, but it's hard to follow Him. Tell them the real truth of the gospel. Tell them the real message of the gospel. You see, when we don't, there'll be confusion. After confusion, there will be conflict within themselves. Am I really saved? Have I really done it? Why am I still feeling this way? Why, why, why? There's conflict. There's confusion. There's conflict. And where will it end? It will end in catastrophe. I've seen it in my young life. I've watched many documentaries Deconversion is rife. People that have stood for the faith are no longer standing for the faith. And I reckon we have a lot to answer for. We didn't give them the true gospel. We gave them a cheap version of the gospel. That is why Paul sent Timothy back to Thessalonians to establish and strengthen their faith against the temper tempter and so that their spiritual labor be not in vain maybe you're here and you've been told that become becoming a christian is to become and have a life of ease that you'll have a prosperous life uh, and that you'll never get sick and things will all be rosy if that's what you were told, and that's where you're hanging your faith in, my friend, I have to tell you, you believe a false gospel. And if there's anyone here who really wants to know the true gospel of Jesus Christ, would you give us an opportunity? Would you give us a second chance to tell you what the real Bible tells, what the real Bible says, about how it is to be saved. How it is to be forgiven of your sin. And after that you have forgiven. How it is to find the love of God. They both should be there. Is there one? I'm asking. Is there anyone here. That do not know. Their eternal destiny. Is there anyone here. Pastor I have been told about that. That if I become a Christian, the life will be easy. That there will always be prosperity. 
but I'm not sure. Is there one? Would you raise your hand? Is there anyone at all? All right. Okay. Perhaps you're just embarrassed. Perhaps you're bashful. You can talk to me afterwards. And I'll tell you, not my opinion, what, what the Bible says. In closing, and I know I said that before, right? In closing, you know, beloved, confession time here. Sometimes I wonder what you expect me as your pastor to do or not do. Suppose me to do or not do. Some of you think or wanted me to be always available for coffee, to entertain you perhaps, to make you feel good about yourselves. There's time for that and there's a place for that. And some of you think that I, uh, I should do this and that and the other. Pastor so-and-so in Argentina, in Africa, in America, in New South Wales, in Queensland, in Tasmania. Uh, this is what we do, and we like him, etc., etc., etc. You can form that opinion, of course. And some of you think, uh, Pastor, you're so hard and, and rigid and arrogant, and you never smile. On the same token, some would say, Pastor, you're so lenient. How could you allow these troublemakers to just do what they do? Why don't you chase them out of the church and never ever to come back? I'm with Paul. If there's anything amongst other things that I would like to accomplish while I'm here, is to establish and strengthen your faith in God. That's my desire. Your faith in the Lord and his word. Why? Lest some any means, Satan, the tempter, the father of lies, the wicked one, the accuser of the brethren, tempts you and our labor from Pastor Doug Couch in 1973 to where we are now in 2023 and in the days coming should be in vain. You may not like my tie. You may not like my suits. You may not like my shoes. But even when, I hope you remember me when the time will come when I'm no longer here. That he was a man that established and strengthened our faith. I can go home in glory just on that. <clears throat> Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the Apostle Paul. Thank you for his care for the church. His yearning desire to establish them, to strengthen them in the faith. Oh, Father, I pray that in these last days where the enemies of the gospel and indeed the preacher of the gospel is rife, I pray that we would stand true, steadfast, to continue to preach your word and no more. So, Father, we pray now as a church, indeed, that first of all, we would look to an example in Timothy. And then, Father, that we would know the purpose, the importance of being established and strengthened in the faith. So that, Father, we would be able to withstand the wiles and the schemes of the evil one in these times like we're having today. And, oh God, I pray 
but as we look upon each other, that we were not too concerned about the externals, that we would truly encourage and edify and strengthen, establish each other in the faith. We do ask all of these things now in Jesus' name.